one of Johnny Carson's greatest attributes to the people that, that studied his comedy, because Carson himself was a student of comedy, and when he was an undergraduate in our college, actually did, I don't know if I've told you this, but he did his undergraduate thesis was an audio recording. I heard it. It's fantastic. Yeah. You heard it, right, where he yeah, studied every, the timing of guys. Everybody should like, listen to that. They should listen to that. Studied the timing of guys like George Burns and Jack Benny and figured out how to use pauses and which numbers were funnier than other numbers and stuff right. like that. But one of his greatest attributes was that he was sometimes at his funniest by his reactions to the jokes that didn't land and his ability to react to things just as you talked about when somebody came up from the audience and it wasn't working out the way you wanted it to that the comedy was a way to bridge past that and move on to the next thing and he was a master at that i was a student of his uh, and a fan of his and i took that uh it wasn't a lesson that was told to me but i was like oh look at him recover oh look at that and i made the fatal mistake of writing a bunch of recovery jokes in advance okay um, when I went to LA, the first thing, I had a bunch of jokes that required me to have a bad joke in order for the recovery joke to work. Um, you know, like I would say to the audience, you're looking at me like I'm the last pick in gym class or something, you know, and they would laugh at that. But they had to not laugh at the thing before it. And, and Jerry Seinfeld was the one that said to me, hey, get rid of those. They're hilarious. But for everyone that's good, you have to have a bad joke before it. And you don't, you don't need bad jokes. You're a good writer, right? So... Yeah. I thought that, and, and Johnny obviously didn't write those. He just ad-libbed them when he needed them, right? Yep. But and when I was young, I was like, oh, be prepared for stinking, you know? You know. Al Michaels always talked about uh, when people asked him endlessly about the, his one-liner about, do you, do you believe in miracles at the end of the hockey game and the Olympics? And somebody said, did you write that? And he said, no, I didn't script that. He said, the, the word that was going through my head at the time was miraculous, and it just sort of came out of my mouth. And he said, and now I see a lot of sports guys come into the game with one-liners already written, waiting for the occasion to use them, when the brilliance of it is to just let whatever happens, happens, and use your creative ability to respond on the fly. Well, creativity is the core of all this, right? If, if your students are writing, whether it's humor or not, I think Maya Angelou said um, that um, you can't use up creativity the more you use, the more you have, right? And it, it's in that, that you have to believe in a bottomless well, right? Writer's block comes from the person who thinks they've run out. And, you know, if you have the philosophy that if, if your well one dries, you dig another well, right? You always have to be working towards an effort that says there's more here. Um, and how you dig into it is a different thing, like creating a habit. Seinfeld had a great, uh, ability to extrude comedy from everyday things, observations we had, by looking at them from different perspectives. So uh, sometimes he would look at it from, a, from the moon, right, and say, what's that little thing down there, right, and explore it. Sometimes he would be really microscopic, and he would go right into the mechanics of a thing inside of it, or he would personify it. He'd say, well, the doorknob is thinking, and then he'd speak as a doorknob, right? So having angles of coming at something is a good way when you're comedy writing to go, oh, have I explored everything here? Um, he has somewhere online a really amazing uh, short that I think he did. I want to say he did it for the New York Times. Yeah, uh, I actually play that in the class. Oh, good. About the Pop-Tarts? Yep. Um, but what's so great about it is when he tells the story, you can see he's just so elated by the effort and time he 
took into finding the words and to describing it. And that every time he talks about his back of his head being blown off, you know, by the first taste of a Pop-Tart, um, it, it is so well crafted um, that it's, you know, it's beyond poetry or music or whatever. It's every part of the rhythm of it leans into making us laugh and relate and so forth. So, you know, the, the, the choice of words is, is critical, you know? Um, and I can't remember at one point I was asked about, you know, picking the right words. Uh, and it's sort of the difference between uh, catching the gravy train and catching a gravy boat, right? Like one is very messy and one is the fast track to somewhere, but that can happen just by accident talking, right? Or by leaving a pause in the wrong place. Or so, you know, if you're going to be a great comedy writer, you have to give attention to how do you come into a room, right? Does this person walk or do they amble, right? That, that it, it's going to mean something to the ear. Uh, and, and even writing uh, the written word on page works differently than to hear it out loud, right? So that a reader sometimes needs other words or less words, and, and sometimes to hear it, uh, it's the art of subtraction. It's about not telling them it happened to you. It's about, did this ever, you know, generalizing or whatever. There's a lot of, there's a lot of nuances in comedy. One of my favorite Mark Twain quotes was uh, that the, the difference, and I'm paraphrasing, the difference between the right word and almost the right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. And yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that's just, that's, that's so true, you know, and I, that, that short uh, of Seinfeld's where he just, he talks about how he's writing in, with his big pens on a lined uh, pad rather than using a word processor. It's just how he works and it's how he processes things, but it's super meticulous. And I know he works uh, sometimes months on a joke before it will ever actually appear in one of his routines because he's obsessing about just getting the right word down. And that's he just, uh, he just put out a new book uh, very recently. I think it was released yesterday um, called Is This Anything? And it's Jerry's perspective. Uh, and there's tons of material that he wrote that he may never have used. Um, uh, but his, his yellow legal pad was his go-to. And, and he, there's pictures in the, on the inside, front and back of this book of all of these yellow pages laid out all down the street he grew up on you know which i believe appear in one of his netflix specials or something but one of the things i admire about his uh discipline is that he he would never have to write again he's got so much money and so much in the can right but that's not why he's in it it's not it's not for money it, it is literally the craft of doing it and he gets up and he writes every day and he does it before his day gets stolen by, you know, responsibilities or autograph seekers or, you know, he considers time being robbed from him um, if he doesn't get that taken care of. Uh, and when he does stand up now, you've seen that he's, um, you know, he, I think he retired one entire act some years ago and it's really hard to give up an hour's worth of material and start fresh. Because I think the scariest thing uh, and the biggest act of courage for any writer is facing a blank page, right? You start again. So if you're trying to top your last thing, you're right back in that terrible seat of, what do I do now? What do I write about? 
um, I would just encourage your students that, you know, you begin with a premise, right? You come up with some kind of a theme or thesis or thought, and not unlike poetry where you have a universal theme or whatever, you create a argument of some kind, can brothers be friends, whatever. And then you focus on the comedy fitting in those boundaries and you write about what you feel about it and then you write against it. You find other points of view or you find what we call a mirror, you know, a, a character that has a similar thought or a shadow, which is an opposing view or some other reason that you wouldn't. And that that's really, really important in storytelling because it creates a certain amount of tension. And in comedy, uh, it's the twist, right? It's, it's the unexpected punchline or dismount that is where the tension is resolved. And there's so many ways that that happens and people aren't aware of it. They're going down a path of truth. Something tumbles in there and then the monologist tells you a perspective that you go, oh, why didn't I see that, right? And, you know, you feel a certain that, I think that spontaneous laughter, particularly when it comes from an audience where everyone's having an aha at one moment, um, is, uh, you know, that's the real art of it. 